Hello and welcome to the Health Hacks podcast, the podcast for high-performing professional females looking for practical ways to optimize all areas of their health and wellness. At Health Hacks, we understand that as a busy female, you wear numerous hats throughout your working week. You're trying to juggle it all, while also looking to carve out time to prioritize your own goals. It's challenging. It's therefore our mission to channel your energy into the areas that are going to help give you the biggest bang for your buck, to really make significant changes to your lifestyle in the most efficient way possible. So at the moment, if you feel as though you need more energy, you want to feel more productive to improve the quality of your sleep, to lower stress, to increase confidence, to show up better in both your personal and your professional relationships, this podcast is for you. If it's time you prioritize your health, learn to fuel your body, found time for exercise, and said goodbye to fad diets and inconsistent behaviors for good, this podcast is for you. If it's time for you to step into the shoes of the high performer you know you can be, this is the right podcast for you. Join me and my guests as we take you through the Health Hacks podcast. Are you sober curious? Are you someone who has dabbled in sober October or dry January? Have you been considering the place of alcohol in your life recently? Or have you been walking down a supermarket aisle and been struck by the number of non-alcoholic drinks that are now on offer to us, particularly in the UK? I had a no seco a couple of weeks ago, a no alcohol Prosecco, and uh, was absolutely astounded by the number of alcohol-free options that there were in our local supermarket. Didn't even need to try very hard to find it. That is the topic of this week's episode. We are talking to Annika Reese about being sober curious. As ever, if you love what we do on the podcast and you have just two minutes of your day, it would mean the absolute world if you could do one of two things. We would sincerely appreciate it. Firstly, either subscribe or follow us on your chosen podcast platform. You're probably listening to me on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you do follow us, we'll automatically pop into your podcast inbox every single week. You won't need to search for health hacks ever again. We'll just magically arrive in your inbox and you can catch up on the latest episodes. Or if you could share the podcast with someone in your inner circle, it would mean the world. Perhaps you've had a conversation with someone recently, maybe they're looking to make healthy changes to their lifestyle, maybe they've complained that their sleep is way off, maybe they're going through a particularly hectic time and want to improve their stress management, maybe they have a weight loss goal. If you think that they would find the topics that we cover on Health Hacks valuable, please do share it with them. It is our mission to spread our message as far and wide as we possibly can. And the more ears that we can reach, the more people that we can help, the absolute better. If the work that we do here resonates with you and you love the topics that we cover, if what we do on the podcast has interested you, and maybe you've thought once or twice about the prospect of working with us directly, you can do so at the moment at absolutely no cost. Yep, absolutely free for 14 days. The Lifestyle Project trial is currently running and we'd love to welcome you to the team. As we transition into the last quarter of the year, there is still time to make changes to your health and well-being before the end of 2023. And the Lifestyle Project is here to support you to kickstart those changes, to light that fire in you and help build momentum to your goals in 14 days. If you'd like to find out more about the Lifestyle Project, there are several ways to do so. I'm guessing you're a podcast listener as you're joining me here, and there's a short episode, which I'll link in the show notes, which is dedicated to explaining all about the Lifestyle Project, what it involves, who it's suitable for, how much time it takes, all of the questions that you probably have. And of course, more information is available on our website where there is a dedicated space for the Lifestyle Project where you can read about our client experiences and a similar FAQ frequently asked questions section, which should answer everything that is on your mind. If after that you feel we might be the right fit, the link to the application is in the show notes and on the website, and it will ask you a short series of questions all about yourself, and we'll be in touch soon after to get you going on the very day that you apply. 
So if you consider yourself an action taker and the Lifestyle Project is, is, is something that you're interested in, take action, get going, find out more and submit your application to us. We can't wait to work with you. And like I say, there's currently a trial of the program and all we're looking to do in those 14 days is to add a ton of value, jumpstart your health journey, help you build momentum. And at the end of the 14 days, all we ask for is your very honest feedback on how you find your time with us. We want this to be the most amazing program we've ever put together. And in order to create that, we need your feedback very, very simply. So like I say, for the time being, there's a trial, you can join us and it's absolutely free for 14 days. Last but not least, this is very exciting, but the podcast now comes to you in partnership with Natural Cycles. If you've been listening to our platform for a while and any of the podcasts dedicated to female health specifically, you'll have heard every single one of our experts discuss the importance of being in tune with your body. And Natural Cycles allows you to do just that, empowering you to understand your body to a greater extent, to make informed decisions and take control of your fertility. Natural Cycles uses your daily basal body temperature and other key data points to pinpoint your fertile and non-fertile days with remarkable accuracy. It's 100% hormone-free, the only FDA-cleared birth control app, and now, very excitingly, linked directly with your Apple devices. So if you have an Apple Watch, it will now link seamlessly. I started using Natural Cycles back in January of this year after a decade of oral contraception use and it has given me such an incredible insight into my own body. I use every single day and I've been so impressed with the ease of use and the accuracy of the algorithm. Whether you're using Natural Cycles as birth control to plan pregnancy, just to get to know your own body or to take notes and navigate through perimenopause and menopause, it is a wonderful tool. And if you'd like 20% off natural cycles and a free thermometer, simply use the link in the show notes below. I think that's more than enough for me, but if you'd like to join the Lifestyle Project or look into natural cycles more, all of the links are below. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Health Hacks podcast. Today I'm joined by Annika Reese. Annika is a health and mindset coach who specializes in helping people to manifest a life of their dreams through living an alcohol-free lifestyle. She's also the host of the Alcohol Free Vibes podcast and she joins us today. Annika, how are you? Great, thank you. How are you? So pleased to be uh, with you today on the podcast, something that is quite topical for a number of reasons. Obviously, we've just, uh, we're recording this right at the start of November. So I know a lot of my clients will be, have tried Sober October. So, uh, but we're having a conversation today around alcohol and who better to have on with us to go into this topic today. I wonder if we might start with a little bit about your background and your story and what's led you to the work you do now? So my background, um, I've come from a very kind of normal middle-class family in the UK. Yes, I had a very privileged upbringing um, and I went to university um, like many, many people do. And at university, I did what lots of university students did at the time. I'm a, I'm a millennial. So I think we were the generation that probably took it the furthest when it came to drinking and, and drug taking at university. And I remember in the newspaper at the time saying that they predicted that we were the first generation whose parents would outlive us because of our binge drinking behaviours. And looking back, I mean, luckily, that's not come true yet. But um, we did take it really quite far, um, leading to the point where um, at the age of 25, having been out of university, I think it was three years, having qualified as a teacher, I got to the point in my drinking where I was like, this is scaring me and I need to stop this because I'm really concerned. Um, and of course, when we feel like that, it doesn't just mean that we go, oh, OK, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> it's not that easy. Um, after quite a few tries and stumbles, I I did stop. I went to um, the Alan Carr Easy Way um, Clinic in London, um, which if anyone's read the Alan Carr Easy Way to Give Up Smoking books, he also um, has a drinking one and you can go to seminars, not the comedian, different Alan Carr. Um, and yeah, that was amazing. I walked out of that seminar and didn't drink again for a year and three months. 
And during that time, I really, really didn't think I would ever drink again. I loved it so much. I loved being sober so much. I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything. I was like cartwheeling everywhere. I just thought life was beautiful and wonderful. And my life went from naught to 100 really, really quickly. I went from being miserable, living in a tiny grotty flat in London, hating how I look, like having loads of money on my credit card, to suddenly like all of this seemed to magically just be solved <laughs> out of the blue um my mum found my credit card statement was like we need to like sort you out <laughs> um I got a job in Dubai I like got really healthy um lost lots of weight not that that's necessarily what any everyone needs to do but I felt just beautiful and amazing and I went to Dubai and I met my best friend on the plane I, I fell in love um and everything just like snapped into place so quickly and over after that year and three months of of not drinking, I did I did get sucked back in again, thinking, oh well, I'll just have one, and then you know if I don't like it, I can stop again. But it doesn't really work like that. And I spent the next ten years kind of going back and forth with my drinking and having months off and trying to put boundaries in around my drinking. And basically, what happened is. I got re-brainwashed. So uh, when I went to the Alan Carr seminar, they talked about, we're just going to de-brainwash you because everything you believe about alcohol is just not true. <laughs> and when I um, went to Dubai, I basically got re-brainwashed. So I didn't want to stop, but I did. I was in this cognitive dissonance, which is just so common. Um, and for so much of that time, I really shamed myself. Like, you know, I was the alcohol-free kid. I was doing this before it was cool. I loved it. My life just was amazing. Um, and now I just go back and forth and it kind of stopped me from stopping for a while because I thought, well, you know, you don't even, people just be like, what are you doing? Are you drinking at the moment or aren't you? Like, can't keep up with you, Annika. Until one day the, when I finally realized that I didn't want to drink anymore and what I wanted to do with my business, I was just like, no, I needed to do that. I needed to have all of those experiences of putting up boundaries of my drinking, finding them that they don't work, um, having those on and off periods, because I collected so much data, if you like, and create uh, developed so much wisdom that actually without those experiences, I would not be the coach that I am now. I've really done it all. I've tried it all. I've tried the really hard way and I've tried the easy way. <laughs> and I've, through all of the experiences that I've had and how I've learned it affected my manifestation power um it's kind of how my business kind of kind of came together in this like big moment if you like where it just all became clear and I was like oh, okay I understand now universe alcohol is a manifestation block I get it I get it and I know what I need to to spread as my message we're going to talk a little bit about manifestation because it was your podcast actually and the episode that I listened to your story specifically that really brought this word to my attention and I want to talk a little bit about what it means to you and why it's such a driver in mm. your in your business but I'll start by asking what misconceptions do we have around alcohol what stories have we been told about the role that alcohol plays in our lives I love that as a fellow coach you just used uh, the word story because that there are so many stories we tell ourselves about alcohol and I'm going to say something that's quite a sweeping statement but I do think it's true everything that we as a society are told about alcohol we believe about alcohol is the opposite of the truth it is brainwashing it's brainwashing that has been perpetuated and put out there by big alcohol um and when you unpick it it's actually amazing how it's literally the polar opposite so um, and you can see first of all thinking about stories and how things are sold to us alcohol is romanticized like when we think about oh, having a glass of wine by the fire and isn't it everything perfect? And oh, I've got like the perfect partner next to me and everything's hazy and wonderful. It's nonsense. That's never what it is like. Um, and so I'll, 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 before going off on a tangent, I'll come back to the um, the original point, which is what are we told about alcohol? That is the opposite of the truth. Number one, alcohol relaxes us. It relaxes us for 20 minutes because it stimulates our GABA system, but then our brain overcompensates and it um, we release adrenaline and cortisol, which is stress hormones, and we release more than we need to. So we end up feeling more stressed and more anxious than we did before we had the drink. 
And, and the more we, you know, and then we have another glass of wine and then we do the same again. And what we're doing is we're pulling ourselves down into quicksand where we are flooded with more and more adrenaline and cortisol, which is why we uh, often wake up at three in the morning if we've been drinking wine and we can't get back to sleep. Um, it's why people have fights and arguments when they've been drinking too much. You know, that first drink, yes, everyone's buzzing because they've got their GABA system stimulated. We get a bit of a rush of feel-good hormones. But after that 20 minutes, it really is a downward slope. And when you don't drink and you watch other people drink, you can see, oh, yeah, everyone's getting a bit grumpier. Everyone's getting a bit more aggressive. I can see couples, they're going to have an argument when they get home. They're, they're, they're upset with each other. Um, so yeah, it is not relaxing. Um, it does not help you sleep for the same reason because it, it stimulates adrenaline and cortisol. Um, well, it doesn't stimulate that, but we we release it as a result of of its sedative effect. Um, and yeah, I feel like I just keep talking. There's so many more things. <laughs> for me, the one thing has always been the sleep for sure. If I've drunk the the night, the if I've drunk in the evening. I will inevitably wake up super, super early the next morning, feeling really wired initially, but then get this almost kind of depressive down the next day. And it feels, it, it feels as though, I remember when I was at university, we used to call it the fear. You yeah. would get almost that feeling of, oh my goodness, what did I do last night? Or, you know, I had a fight with so-and-so as you've, as you've described, and you just felt rubbish and low. And that was without the headache and the sickness and everything else that goes along with it. Yeah. And actually I rarely have had um, the headache and the sickness. And I always used to pride myself at uni. I didn't get hangovers. I'm so clever. Like I'm so, I used to love telling everyone how hardcore I was. But I, I did used to get that low mood, um, that feeling of anxiety. And um, I mean, I used to say I feel like a part of my soul's missing. And I think I used to say it as a joke. But now I know what I know about spirituality. That wasn't that far from the truth. Um, it lowers your vibration so much when you drink alcohol. And we, we feel that viscerally when we're hungover. It also punches holes in our aura, which makes us prey to spiritual parasites. Um, our likelihood of um like yeah of of dark entities interfering with us when we're drunk and hungover are so much higher um and the more I talk to people about this the more people have reported back oh yes I remember this thing happening to me when I was when I passed out drunk and it was really really freaked me out um it's and it's no wonder you do feel haunted when you're hungover um and it's not it's not a place where you love yourself look after yourself um and it's not relaxing so you know how many times have, have I know I've done this I've gone on a relaxing holiday I've drunk my way through it and I've come home feeling even more wrung out than before I left and I used to joke and say I need a holiday from my holiday there's nothing relaxing about taking a poison that leaves you feeling more depleted when you wake up the next morning. It's the opposite of relaxation. And when I stopped drinking, I remember thinking, this is, oh my God, who knew? This is actual relaxation. I've had a week off work. I've had lots of sleep. I've done nice things and I feel genuinely restored. Like who knew? <laughs> yeah. I was going to leave this question till later in the, in the episode, but I'll ask it now. Do you think we have to give up completely. Do you think to achieve uh, uh, more clarity, improve these health markers, do we need to give up alcohol completely? Do you believe? That is a very interesting question. And I would say it's a very personal question. Um, and I know that whatever I answer for that, it will trigger lots of people in different ways because we've all got very different realities when it comes to our experience with any kind of substance abuse, really. I would say everybody would can have a better quality of life in terms of their own neurological balance of happy hormones and their ability to heal self-witness and manifest if they do, don't drink alcohol at all. Um, I, I think it's a superpower when we don't drink at all. However, we don't have to apply black and white thinking. So there are some people who have got to what I would call a gray area with their drinking, like I was, where I wasn't physically dependent. I could take days off. I could make myself like take breaks. But was I drinking 
quite regularly every day? Yes. Was I often going into work hungover? Yes. Was I drinking to anesthetize things I didn't want to feel? Yes. Um, was it my go-to when something upset me? Absolutely. I'd got to a point where I was drinking enough that I could try. I did moderate for a long time and it's just exhausting. It takes up so much space and that space that it takes up is stopping you from so much healing and other things that you could be doing to grow and expand. Now, if you've got somebody who um, is very, there are people who are very take it or leave it with alcohol. Um, that's not because they're less broken than we are. No one's broken. But the, the first time you ever try a drink, for example, the later that is in your life, the more likely you are to be a bit more take it or leave it with alcohol. If you are somebody whose parents gave you a beer when you were six, your chances of slipping down that slope much quicker and much, much, much higher. Um, if you've undergone like some really, some big T trauma in your childhood, or if you've got a high ACE score, the Adverse Childhood Experiences score, your chances of not being able to control your alcohol intake are much higher. But if you are one of these people, of course, you haven't got all of these factors where you're, you know, I might have a drink um, one day and then I might not have one for three weeks and I don't even think about it. It's not that I've meant not. It's just accidentally. I, I just don't ever think about it. Like then I would say it's not causing you any issues and you can you're sober most of the time. So I wouldn't say you have to stop and I think this is bad. Um but I do think it's something that is worth playing with because I have met lots of people who didn't see themselves as having any kind of a problem with drinking, but they discovered it as what I call like a, they've called a game changer. And I know uh, I have a, a client that um, I was speaking to about this and he was never a massive drinker. He's very ambitious. He's very career focused. And he was like, it just gives me the edge just I'm just I just have that edge people really um look up to me because of it and I just know I've got my a-game on all the time and and that's priceless so that's a very long-winded answer <laughs> because he's sober because he's always yeah, because he's sober yeah yeah because I think where is it that I heard say the the phrase alcohol is the only drug that if you don't consume it people think you have a problem which yeah. is a really good way to phrase it. And, you know, culturally, it is part of the fabric. If you have a networking event, there's booze. If you have a dinner out with a client, there's inevitably a bottle of wine. If you have a wedding, there is a champagne tower. If you, you know, it's all of these things. It's ingrained in a lot of cultural events, celebrations. And I think a way that people feel is an easy icebreaker a lot of the time. Like if you want people to get on, just give them alcohol. And this is so, I'm really pleased that you brought those two things up there, Caroline, actually, because the first of all, the first one is that's an example of how we're brainwashed yeah. um, to drink alcohol because it's embedded in our culture, um, which makes us from a very primitive point of view, feel like our if our tribe does this, if we don't do this, then we will be rejected from the tribe. So some of the work that I do with clients is actually looking at building other tribes, but also ways of showing your inner teenager, as I like to call it, that you're still in the tribe, that your tribe won't reject you. Because if we feel like they will, we're, we're going to create self-sabotage. Um, and actually, so much of what you're describing are lovely, lovely rituals that you do not have to get rid of. You just change the liquid in the glass. There's so many amazing alcohol free options now um if i am to get married again i would consider having a champagne fountain with um alcohol free champagne in i have bucks fizz on christmas morning with alcohol free champagne um i love a ritual it's the ritual that's lighting us up and it's that feeling of togetherness um and the feeling of celebration you know at that work or social event it's oh let's have a treat we're all working late it's quite stressful. Let's all have a little treat to make ourselves feel better. That's really what's going on. Um, and interestingly, um, so many people I work with say, oh, but I need a drink because of social anxiety. You know, I need it to help me talk to people. And this, again, is the opposite of the truth, because first of all, think about a children's party. Um, when the children arrive at a children's party, everyone's standing behind their parents' legs, being really shy. And they go, come on, 
darling, come on. Sorry, he's really shy. Within half an hour, they're all running around the room, squealing, having the best time, and then they don't want to go home. So that is proof that we all settle down within about half an hour in a social situation. Our nervous systems are primed to, to, to want to just scan and check basically that no one's going to kill us from a primal perspective. And when we've ascertained like no one here is an enemy, then we all calm down a little bit. That happens regardless of the liquid in your glass. Um, and William Porter said it quite beautifully. He said, why would you want to take a sedative to help you talk to people? Like you can either come across as nervous or you can come across as drunk and nervous, like pick which one you want to be. I thought that was a great way to explain it. I think for one, you talked about rituals there. Definitely one I see with my clients and you will absolutely is the Friday night ritual after a busy week of work. Talk to me about your experience with the, the Friday night glass of wine. So I've definitely done this. And I and especially when you put boundaries up around your drinking and you don't, you, you know, you're really white knuckling it all week. And you get to the get to Friday and you're like, thank God I can have a glass of wine. First of all, let's just honor that I think celebrating that you've had a, a week of working hard and it's the weekend is lovely. I love that. Never ever stop that. And actually, anything in sobriety, do not create any feeling of lack it's all about abundance so I learned this phrase from my mentor Janie Lee Grace and she says keep the ritual change the ingredient in fact I would say go and get yourself some even fancier wine glasses no no um no children's coke glasses here I want really nice fancy beautiful wine glasses go and on wise bartender and get some really cool different alcohol free things to pick from I loved getting a subscription box when I first stopped drinking because I love the the kind of dopamine hit of like getting my passes through the post and being like oh I'm going to try all these different things so have exciting drinks to, to drink make yourself nice snacks take it even further be like right I'm going to have a Friday night playlist let's get some nice candles I'm going to make Friday night even more of a big deal so that I'm showing myself there's nothing to miss not drinking is pure abundance and even better I'm going to wake up on Saturday morning full of beans and I'm going to have an amazing day rather than being hungover yeah it's so funny you've said that by the time we this episode goes out we have gone through sober October and myself and my partner actually started this in September we had a race on uh, in at the start of October so we weren't drinking the the month before the race actually so I ended up moving it a month forward there was one Friday night where I sat down on the sofa after a very busy week. It had been hectic. The candles were on. The dogs were asleep in that lazy, lazy, cozy way that dogs do when they're curled up on the in the sofa. There, there was a box set that we were going to watch the next episode of. There was a blanket, you know, it was in the comfy loungewear. And I remember sitting down at a Diet Coke in my hand and I actually did that, you know, that exhale you do when you normally take that first sip of wine, when you actually melt into the sofa and go, oh, it was that, but it was Diet Coke. And I've never had such a penny drop moment of this is the environment, not the substance. Yes. Yes. I love that. That is, I completely agree. And that's what I say to clients when they say, but I want to have a cozy glass of wine on holiday or at the ski, in the ski chalet with my partner. And I get them to describe the picture that, you know, pick it apart. Like, where are the dogs? Like, what, what, where are the candles? Tell me what's, what's in the room. And then I point out, and none of that's got anything to do with alcohol whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what, what you did there. So it's, it's, it's so powerful. But then I'll be very, very honest. I mean, I, I really do enjoy a nice glass of wine. And I would be the first one to say that. I really do enjoy having a glass in an in an environment and sometimes I wonder what what the balance is and what that looks like I'm so interested by this increasingly prominent industry of of alcohol-free options and people who describe themselves as being sober curious I think it's a wonderful movement and I think it will become increasingly more prominent in our in our day-to-day -day. I remember last Christmas was the first year I saw a Gordon's 
alcohol-free gin in a mainstream supermarket. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, that's a, that's a real first. Is that where we're going? But I wonder what it will look like long-term and what my relationship with alcohol will be like. So, yeah, so um, some really good points there. So first of all, in terms of enjoying a glass of wine, there's, there's kind of, there's a few things going on because you've got the actual taste of the mm. wine and then you've got all of your previous experiences like filed away in your memory, all the associations that you have. And I know at one point I had a real association of, of my parents because I would always have wine with them when I went home and it was like a really safe, oh, we're all together with my lovely family and I'm in my cozy family home and we're having a glass of wine. So there's there's a lot of different parts of your brain that are lighting up when you're describing that. And I absolutely used to adore the taste of red wine um, and, and beer. I still love drinking alcohol-free beers. I think with all taste, all taste is acquired. Uh, we we learn to like. I mean, like the first remember the first time we tried red wine. Did you like it? First time we tried coffee. Yeah. Like it was, it. yeah, you didn't. And it was um, yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Yeah. Um, so I just in the same way, I mean, I know this from uh, working in um, a Shropshire Recovery Partnership where I learned loads about alcohol and drug recovery. You know, drugs don't taste nice. They don't. They taste horrible. But when you start to associate the um, effect of them with, with the taste, you start to really like the taste of them in your mouth. Like cocaine addicts really like the taste of cocaine in the mouth. It's, it's, it's not a nice taste, right? So there's a bit of that going on there. And of course, coffee's a drug too, right? Um, now, so there is that going on when you stop drinking, your palate does change. So alcohol free red wine, when you first stop drinking, you're like, what is this? And then the further you go down the line, you're like, actually, I really like this. And if you drank actual red wine again, it probably wouldn't taste nice anymore. I probably would hate it. It would be too much for my, my palate. Um, but again, going back to the personal experience, it's about honestly looking at how it affects you and your life. And I say honestly with um, emphasis because there is so much kidding ourselves. And I'm not saying this is you. I'm just thinking, saying from my experience that, that we do when we don't want to let something go because it's got a grip of us. I know that um, I would have been like, yeah, but I like it. And, and I could have argued to the cows come home why like I should be able to continue drinking so as long as you know, honestly, that it's just, it's not taking up too much space. And this is, this is it. How much space is alcohol taking up? Yeah, I would agree with you. And I think, and this is just a very personal thing for me. I know that I cannot, I'm probably quite fortunate in that my body just does not take it and respond to it very well. So I simply can't drink very much of it without it having a really adverse effect. So in that way, it almost forces you to be on the moderate side. Yeah, absolutely. It makes you think, well, you know, if I'm just going to have one, what's the point in having any at all? And I yeah. felt the benefits of that. I think one of the things that I am really interested in, obviously I work with my clients on a lot of the physical. So if we, if they're consuming alcohol, that will have a knock on effect and we can track their data through their trackers and all these things. We can see the impact of it on things like the heart rate variability the, the next day. If they drink alcohol, that number is going to plummet. If they try and do exercise, that exercise intensity is going to be, is going to be capped. They're not going to recreate that exercise intensity. It's going to have an impact on their, on their weight over time. If they're consuming alcohol and, and the associated calories all of these things are the physical what I was interested in from a lot of the work you do is about the more spiritual side of it and about how alcohol you almost describe it as a barrier or, or a block yeah Which maybe that's incorrect of me to use that term but it almost sounds to me as though it's a you have experienced a a clarity or an awakening as it were from having given up alcohol yeah and I do describe alcohol as a manifestation block and I do feel like I have gone through an awakening um each time I've stopped I mean I don't think you can you don't have just one spiritual awakening I think we're, we wake up but it's like layers of the onion come off it when we go through different things and I know it's not uncommon at all um to go through this when you stop drinking it's part of what I call the magic of of 
of becoming alcohol free is you open yourself up to this whole journey um it alcohol is the quickest way to lower your vibrations and we all know that because we've experienced hangovers we know how how low vibe we feel and um, the irony is that we've been brainwashed to think that when we need to raise our vibrations oh let me have a drink but and that that's something that you know you know people say oh but I'm really excited I want to celebrate I say, well do you want to anesthetize that and lower your vibrations or do you want to enjoy that you're really excited so there's that um alcohol cuts us off from our intuition um and it it turns up the voice of the ego so the ego is the voice of fear and catastrophe and again think back to the hangovers where you just feel like sitting in the corner rocking and you're like right I'm not allowed to think about my credit card today or my meeting on Monday morning or this or this because I actually can't cope right now it's too much and it's because I'm hungover so that's the voice of the ego and our intuitive voice is this subtle neutral knowing that drops in and then drops out again and it gets drowned out by the, the, the voice of the ego, which is like a subwoofer and our intuition is like a dripping tap. And it's not that it's gone anywhere, but we just can't hear it when we've got this subwoofer um, making noise. And, and the, uh, many, many people experience this, especially in hungover states. You know, when you get washing machine brain and you just go round and round that's your ego and that's something I always say to clients if you're ever worried like is this my intuition telling me something bad's going to happen if it's going round and round like a washing machine it's 100% your ego and it's probably not going to happen it's just fear and catastrophe but from a manifestation perspective we do we want to be in the energy of fear and catastrophe or do we want to be in the energy of love because fear is what keeps us stuck. It's what stops us from coming out of our comfort zone. It's what stops us from changing. It's what stops us from growing. And love and our intuitive voice are what get us moving um, and help us move towards what we want. At the same time, when we're using alcohol to anesthetize uncomfortable feelings and notice that I don't call them negative feelings, that's brainwashing to call out to any of our feelings negative. All of our feelings are so, so helpful. Sometimes they're very uncomfortable, but they're supposed to be just like if you were driving a plane and you are driving into a rocky mountain range, the warning lights would start flashing and there would be sirens going off, but they're there to help you. Um, if you take the fuse out to quieten the plane, to quieten the, the, the noise, that's what we do when we drink alcohol. We're like, oh, let me, that's not convenient. Let me just take the fuse out so I don't have to hear that annoying noise. Whereas when we don't drink alcohol, we're like, oh, okay. I need to redirect here. Let me grab the steering wheel. Yeah. And that now I'm in safety. So it one of the things that's uh, part of the, the manifestation journey when we stop drinking is learning how to trust all of your feelings and see them as a part of your inner guidance system. Um, and actually, when we go through really difficult times, they are really, really helpful corrective experiences, helping us to get onto our path, back into alignment, what have you. So, you know, for example, well, you could lots of people will have experienced this being in a toxic relationship with somebody that you really really love you're really scared to leave them and you, you're scared to be on your own uh, but you're going round in circles and you just it's like groundhog day right and what do we do we drink because we're like oh it's just i just don't want to deal with it so i'm just gonna keep drinking alcohol allows you to stay stuck in that situation for probably 10 times longer because you keep anesthetizing the pain if you take the anesthetic out, yeah, it's raw, it hurts a lot more, but it will probably take you a month before you're like, I actually can't do this anymore. I'm out of here. Because you're not, someone once said to me, seven out of 10 comfort is the most dangerous place to be because it you don't take action based yeah. on that. If you're really experiencing something that you would describe as 10 out of 10 discomfort, you move, you do yes. something, you make it. Whereas that seven out of 10 that, you know, this is a, shit situation to be in excuse my phrase but if I drink this glass of wine it won't seem as shit that's yeah I see and that's how you can spend 10 years in a in a shit situation and then this is this is what I would say is this is true truly scary right the scariest thing in the whole world is standing still because if you're looking back over your life and saying wow I've just spent 20 years in this toxic situation I haven't enjoyed any of it but I managed to keep going in that because I was drinking that's the scariest thing of all right whereas if we just take take the anesthetic away 
and we start jumping off cliffs and start taking risks and go, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to leave that person. I'm going to go for that job. I'm going to move. I, I don't care what, what's the worst that can happen. Like that, those things, even when they go wrong, they've, you've made a decision. You've, you've, you've changed something you've got somewhere. You can't really get that wrong. That's a part of life's journey, but standing still is truly scary. And that's what alcohol lets us do. I think we use we use not a lot of things in our lives to do that more and more you know it's it's watching the next episode on Netflix isn't it it's ordering the delivery you know and just hitting the order again button it's the it's that life on autopilot as it were and alcohol plays quite a key role in that well it has for me anyway in that ability to numb out through challenging times and I'm, I, I think it's important as well that you, you've just brought up that it's not just alcohol that we do that with. I think alcohol is one of the more powerful numbing mechanisms um, we numb with Netflix, TikTok, food. Um, and it's not to say that we're not allowed to, ha- to self-soothe when we're going through difficult times. Um, so, for example, if I'm going through something difficult, I will... I will give myself time when I might have been working on this thing all day, like trying to trying to move through it, trying to process it, journaled. And I might just be like, I just want an hour off because I'm I haven't got any more bandwidth left. And I'll be like, okay, let's put some Netflix on. <laughs> let's put you can look, you can look at TikTok for a bit if you want. So, but the difference is, is when I'm doing those things to numb, I am not lowering my vibrations in the same way that I would be if I was drinking. I'm not um I'm not cutting myself off from my intuition in the same way. I'm not consuming something that's imbalancing my brain chemistry. I mean, I know that TikTok does create some imbalances through dopamine. Um, And of course, in a perfect world, none of us would numb at all. But in reality, it's okay to notice, like, I need a break. (laughs) You don't have to be martyrs. Um, But for me, alcohol is not something that you can have well, you can't just have one glass of wine and then be like, okay, I'm completely sober now and I'm going to move on with my evening. Like you can if you have- Yeah, something. it's that lingering effect, right? That it has that lingering feeling. And it, just an observation, I was just thinking there as you were talking, Annika, anyone who I've known in particular in the health and wellness space who has been sober for a prolonged period of time, they tend to, sweeping generalization, but they tend to have really, really good habits around other areas of their life as well. There tends to be that ripple effect. So yeah, they might go on social media, but they wouldn't be someone that would uh, overindulge as it were. They have just a degree of moderation, rationality, and just, it's almost a calmness about their life that is you know, enviable to a lot of us, I think, uh, to, to look at from the outside looking in. The sober curious movement seems to be on the up. Is that something you've noticed? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the growth of the alcohol-free drinks industry is reflective of that. Um, It's incredible how many products are on the market now. And and actually go into any pub or restaurant in the UK, I apart from going to like a a takeaway kebab shop, I mean, I I don't think I've been anywhere that hasn't got an alcohol-free beer to sell. Yeah, um, yeah. and it, we get quite used to this and then we go abroad I've got so many clients say I went I went to this other country and the waiter looked at me like I was crazy when I asked for an alcohol-free beer and I just say that's that's how good it is in the UK right now like it's so normal it's like saying you're vegan like no one bats an eyelid really so it's, I've definitely seen a huge shift and of course Gen Z only a third of Gen Z drink like they they don't drink in the way that that certainly I did when I was at their age yeah I think we were probably the generation because I mean we were our university nights were full of one pound shots and we just <laughs> we weren't taught moderation or encouraged to be moderate in any way it just wasn't it wasn't my experience anyway of of university um mm. if you if someone approached you and they were interested in becoming or they were sober curious I think is a better way to put it any advice for them from for them from having that feeling of FOMO you know that fear of missing out when it comes to when it comes to alcohol any practical tips yeah so 
my key with sobriety or being sober curious is you need to focus on the word abundance any FOMO that you have is a story you're telling yourself and every time you notice that you're, you're feeling FOMO take that as an opportunity to create abundance for yourself so if you feel FOMO um, that your friends are all going to sit in a pub garden because it's a sunny day challenge it and be like I can absolutely go and I'm having an alcohol free beer and I'm going to have a great time. Um, go to the house party and bring some really nice alcohol free options so that you feel like you're joining in with everybody. Um, there's no need to miss out on anything whatsoever. In fact, you're only gaining because, you know, I can go to my house party. Um, but because I'm not drinking, I've had the lovely evening. I have bought myself some great drinks. But I'm not what, trying to organise a taxi in the middle of nowhere to get home. I can give my my friends a lift if I want to. And then I'll feel like, about, you know, everyone feels good when they've done a nice thing, don't they? I'll drive home with my drum and bass in the car. And then I get home, put my clean pyjamas on, take my makeup off. And I'm like, oh, I've got a peaceful little half an hour before I go to bed rather than face planting a pizza or something. I think the, definitely the FOMO is the thing that I hear the most is that I would love to try this, but I have this coming up and I have this coming up and I have this coming up. Um, from my experience, the first weekend is always the hardest. And once you get through the first weekend, you're, you're okay. And I mean, the first weekend you are battling your neurochemistry because your brain, if you drink every day or you drink the say you've got a pattern of drinking, your brain will preempt that you're going to have a drink. So it will start releasing adrenaline and cortisol before you've had your drink. So you're going to feel extra irritable. Um, but the more you override that, it doesn't take long for your brain to go, oh, you're like, you're not doing that anymore. Okay, fine, we'll stop doing that. But that's why you can feel like it, not, not itchy, but I mean, metaphorically speaking, just a bit like annoyed. Like I just want to drink. I need to relax. And this perpetuates the belief I need a drink to relax because you've got this extra adrenaline and cortisol waiting for it. Um, but no, there's there's nothing to miss out on when we don't drink. There's only stuff to gain. And but you have to go out there and collect evidence for yourself. It's cognitive behavioral therapy, right? You have to prove that that belief wrong. And you really will. I mean, I remember the first time I went on a night out without drinking and I was really nervous. I was thinking, what if I run out of energy? What if I don't have fun? I had the best time. It was just one of those nights that we bumped into everyone we knew. It was everyone was on form. We we went to like everywhere had like a really good atmosphere. I came home so euphoric. I just thought that was incredible. I feel high as a kite, and I've had nothing but diet cokes all evening. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I love that though that we have to test it. We have to try it. When was the last time you had a an alcoholic drink? It was on the 27th of November, 2020. So it's nearly three years. God, wow. That is incredible. Yeah, thanks. Absolutely incredible. Come out for three years. Um, And I'll ask the question, do you ever see it as being part of your lifestyle or are you way too far gone now? Way too far gone now. Um, And I think I needed to have the experiences I did with, I loved, I was fully sober. Then I went back on it and then I kept going back and forth. And this is now the longest I've ever been sober for. And it's just such an embedded part of who I am. It's how I see myself. I just don't see any benefit to drinking at all. I love partying. I love dancing. I love like raving to drum and bass. I just don't see why I'd need to take a sedative anymore. I've de-brainwashed myself. Um, so yeah, I definitely won't drink again. Amazing. If anyone wants to find out more about you and the work that you do, where are the best places to find you? So you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is at coaching by Annika and Annika is spelled A-N-N-E-K-A. And TikTok is coaching by Annika underscore official. Or you can check out my website, which is coachingbyannika.co.uk. Amazing. I'm going to link everything in the show notes. So if anyone wants to find out uh, more about you, you can absolutely do that. I want to say a huge thank you for coming on this week and talking to us about being sober curious. Definitely changed my intention for it this weekend. Oh, <laughs> it that oh. way. Um, but it was so fantastic to, uh, to have you and we'll catch up very soon. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you so much. I want to say a huge thank you to Annika for joining us this week on the Health Hacks podcast. It was an absolute 
joy to have her and a really different perspective on sobriety. I loved the simplicity. One of the lines she mentioned in, in the podcast, just change the liquid in the glass. So simple, right? We don't necessarily need to uh, change everything about our lifestyle. We don't need to miss out on any of our social occasions. I think it's just really nice to know that we have options, particularly by the time this podcast comes out, we will very much be going into the festive period. I know with that, inevitably, our social occasions are going to be on the rise. So if being sober curious or just reducing or managing your alcohol intake is something that you're interested in doing from a health perspective, hopefully this episode has given you permission to do that uh, and just to be curious about it and maybe experiment a little bit uh, with, um, with that for yourself. I think one of the things about being sober curious is we sometimes feel like we have to announce it, don't we? We need to tell everyone around us what we're doing. Why not just try it on occasion or two? either give yourself an alcohol budget, limit what you're drinking, or take it out of the, the evening completely. See how you get on. Consider that my challenge to you. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Health Hacks podcast. As ever, I thank you, the listeners, so much for your time and for joining us on the platform. I do sincerely appreciate it. And if you have enjoyed this episode, there is a wonderful way that you can support us on the show. If you can scroll down wherever you're listening to me, it's probably Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever it may be, hit the follow or subscribe button. Honestly, it, it makes a massive difference. It shoots us up the, the ratings and allows us to reach more ears, which ultimately is the mission. Or you can send it to someone who you think might find the Health Hacks podcast beneficial. Maybe you've had a conversation with a friend recently about trying out a non-alcoholic gin or a no seco was one that I saw recently in a, in a supermarket near us. Um, send it to them and they may find this platform really valuable too. If you are interested in coaching. I know we're getting to that time of the year. However, December, tail end of uh, Q4, is actually a really important time for myself and my clients. The reason being, it's the time that we actually spend setting up for the next year. We don't start in January. We don't you know, assess our goals after the new year. We do all of that in advance. The idea is then you can hit the ground running into 2024. You don't need to think about it. It's oh, We've already considered everything. We've already put the frameworks in place. You can really hit that ground running. If that sounds like something that you would be interested in doing, if you don't want to start new year, new me, all of the new year's resolution myths that we tell ourselves, and you want to get going this side of 2024. That's terrifying to say. We are currently running a 14-day free trial, entirely free trial of the Lifestyle Project. If you have always been interested in coaching, you want to find out a little bit more about what we do in our coaching practice, um, but you don't want to pay for it. You don't want to put the finances down. That's absolutely fine. We have a 14-day free trial of the Lifestyle Project currently ongoing, the link to which will be in the show notes. You can join us there. You get a 30-minute free diagnostic call with me. We can find out more about you and your lifestyle and brainstorm some solutions for you on that call. Okay. Thank you so much and we'll see you next week on the Health Hacks podcast.